Good evening and welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA players, legends, and top instructors go to share their stories, insights, and playing lessons. Join Chris every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as he talks with the greats of the game. Tonight's show is sponsored by the French Lick Resort, Ben Hogan Golf, the PGA Tour Superstore, Two Wonder, the Salt Creek Golf Retreat, TaylorMade Golf, the Bobby Jones Apparel Company, and Superspeed Golf. Now, here's your host, Chris Mascaro. Good evening, everyone. I certainly hope your Tuesday is off to a really great start and everything is going well for you today. Your week is going well. Also, and I want to thank you so much for coming back and joining me tonight here on Next on the T. We've got some exciting developments going on here with the show that I want to update you on. I want to welcome two new sponsors to the show. Strixon Cleveland Zexio Golf. Glad to have them as part of the show. Strixon is now the official golf ball of Next on the T, which we are very excited about. I've been playing the yellow Z-Star ball for many years. Now, going back to a feel and visual demonstration that I got from uh, the Shrixon rep here at my local PGA Tour Superstore several years ago. And my thanks to Perry French as well, who uh, joined me last month and is going to be joining me again next week for helping to make that happen. And uh, like I say, folks, the, the new Shrixon Z-Star and the Z-Star XV, both uh, Golf Week, Hot List, Gold Ratings for both of those golf balls. Go online and check them out at Shrixon.com to uh, see which one of those golf balls is going to fit your game, like I say, I'm playing the Z-Star Yellow, which is absolutely fantastic. I also got a, you know, as you heard me talk about several weeks ago, I got a dozen of the Zexio golf balls. Used those when I was out uh, on my uh, golf trip here with my buddies. Used a couple of sleeves of them. Wonderful, wonderful golf balls. Very distinctive as well. They're they're sort of a white, and they got a little gold fleck in there, and the, and the golf balls, you, you've heard Matthew Lawrence talk about them when he's been on the show. Uh, and his reluctance to want to use them because how beautiful the golf balls are. Well, they hit well is, you know, on top of all of that. So really enjoyed those golf balls too. So looking forward to having Perry back on the show and very excited to have, uh, Strixon as a, uh, as the golf ball here, the official golf ball, I should say, of next on the tee. Also want to welcome our new friends over at Sandestin Golf. You heard me talk about them last week. We were there a couple of weeks ago and, uh, played all three of their beautiful, uh, public golf courses, the Lynx. Raven and Baytown Golf as well. They are beautifully set right there along the Gulf of Mexico in Destin, Florida. The people there are wonderful, and like I say, the golf courses are absolutely spectacular. Go online to sandestingolf.com to check them out. You're going to love what you see when you go on their website. So huge thanks to both of those organizations for coming on board and becoming part of the Next on the T family. All right, on to tonight's show. So joining me here, my first guest is going to be Dennis Cohn. And Dennis has become such a wonderful friend of the show over the last several years, a guy I enjoy very, very much. Dennis is the founder of the Professional Caddies Association. He's written a couple of great books, Think Like a Caddy, Play Like a Pro, and Mastering Golf's Toughest Shots. Dennis is doing some great work with the PCA to help fight childhood cancer. They do a lot for for uh, for that organization and for that charity, so we can't thank him enough for all the work he's doing there. He was recently appointed to the advisory board of We Are Golf, which our good friend Steve Mona heads up, and uh, Steve and Dennis have a great relationship. We'll talk about that. He's also working with the Western Golf Association on a program called Carry the Game to bring youth caddies back into the game of golf. So we'll talk about that and a whole lot more when Dennis joins me here in just a few minutes. 
Following Dennis, I'm going to get a return visit from former PGA Tour pro Richard Zirkel. Richard has become a wonderful friend as well. I'm going to get his thoughts on the Masters and the advice that Byron Nelson gave him on how to play the 12th hole. We'll also talk about his experience playing in the PGA Championship. We know we got that coming up here in just a couple of weeks. We'll also talk about the new app that he's working on called MindTrack that can help us improve our mental approach when we're out on the golf course. So really looking forward to having Richard back on the show. He'll join me a little bit later on in this half hour. And then we're going to round out tonight's show with a return visit from PGA professional and the founder of the Salute Military Golf Association, Jim Estes. Looking forward to having Jim back on the show. We're going to talk about his experience being the low club professional back at the 2017 Senior PGA Championship. What a great tournament that was for him. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the first major he ever played in, which was the 1990 U.S. Open at Medina. You're going to remember that was the year Hale Irwin made that 60-foot birdie putt on the 18th hole in the final round to force a playoff with Mike Donald, and he uh, did that victory lap around the green. We'll also talk about the great rehabilitative work that he is doing with the Salute Military Golf Association, helping our wounded military veterans learn or relearn the game of golf. So looking forward to having Jim on the show a little bit later on in this hour. So, folks, here you go. We got a lot, lot more great stories and information coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the Tee. Again, thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. Before we get started, you know, I always like to remind you about a couple of our really great friends and starting off with Mitch Lawrence and his podcast, Talking Golf Getaways. He and his co-host Darren Bunch let you know about great places to stay, play, and even eat and drink while you're there. You can stream their podcast over on GolfTripX.com, and that's the letter X for experts, so GolfTripX.com. It's also available over on Audioboom, Stitcher, and Player.fm. Go there and check out their show and learn about some of the hidden gems that we have around the country that you get to go play. His twin brother, Matthew, also has a great golf show called Backspin Golf, and his show airs Sunday mornings from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time over on WLXG ESPN Radio AM 1300 up in Lexington, Kentucky. His show is also so much fun to listen to and be a part of because, you know, first of all, Matthew is just absolutely outstanding and a lot of fun. It is a really great way to kick off your Sunday mornings. Again, the name of the show is Backspin Golf. You can stream it online at WLXG.com or doing what I did which is download the WLXG app. And folks, as you know, we are sponsored by the French Lick Resort. Let's hear a word from our friend Steve Rondonero about what they have going on there this summer. It's a Pete Dye masterpiece, the Pete Dye course at French Lick Resort. Pete says its location on one of the highest points in Indiana makes it special. The long views, you can see many 20, 30 miles from many of the fairways and many of the tees and greens. And, and you can see a 360 degrees. Donald Ross's hill course put French Lick on the golf map more than 100 years ago. It's where Walter Hagen won the 1924 PGA Championship and the place where today's Symmetra Tour ladies battle each year. It's the ambience around it that makes the golf course. Combine our many resort amenities with legendary golf and you have a getaway like no other. French Lick Resort is the home of the Senior LPGA Championship, won in 2018 by World Golf Hall of Famer Laura Davies. Play the course's champions play. Plan your trip now, online at FrenchLick.com. Yeah, folks, like Steve just said, go online to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself what a wonderful place they have up there and to book your stay as well. I also want to tell you about our good friends at the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. Now, folks, if you haven't hit Ben Hogan iron since maybe the 80s or the 90s, do yourself a favor and get a demo iron of either their Fort Worth 
PTX, new PTX Pro, which I'm dying to use. I've got a, a brand new set sitting right here in front of me. You want to talk about a guy dying to get out on the golf course or the range to find out about those great clubs. Boy, I'm one of them. Or you can even check out their edge irons. So take whatever you have and go out on the, on the range and get their demo iron and compare it to them, right? See what you got. See what you think about uh, their clubs compared to what you've got. All Ben Hogan irons and wedges are handcrafted one at a time in their Fort Worth, Texas factory. So no mass production, no shortcuts. Now you can order custom-made irons, wedges, and hybrids by going online to BenHoganGolf.com. And they're going to build those clubs to your specifications. And best of all, charge you a fraction of the typical retail price. Check out their complete line of forged irons, wedges, utility irons, hybrids, bags, and accessories online at BenHoganGolf.com. Please also check out our friends at the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to bobbyjones.com. They've got their new summer collection out. The thoughtful selections are rooted in character and endurance. The signature details, colors, and fabrications are going to remind you of all of that. That, you know, you're going to remember the way the game was meant to be played and how you were meant to look out on the golf course and in in the course of life as well. Check out their summer collection online at bobbyjones.com. And finally, folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends over at Two Under. I want to welcome our newest sponsor, Two Under Men's Performance Briefs, the unofficial underwear of the PGA Tour. Worn by PGA Tour players like Ricky Fowler, David Toms, Jerry Kelly, William McGirt, Jason Kokrak, and Matt Everett, to name just a few. Your buddies are going to think you're a stud if they're even seeing you in your underwear, but that's another story. And your girlfriend and her wife is going to love the side effects, a visibly enhanced profile. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management. It separates a man's most valuable assets from bodily contact to reduce unwanted skin-on-skin contact, providing less chafing, more control, and an altogether more luxurious feel. Start every round two under by wearing the coolest performance briefs on the market. Use code ONTHET20 to save 20% off your order at twounder.com. And that's the number two, UNDR.com. All right, folks, now back in making his fifth appearance with me here on the French Lake Resort guest line is Dennis Cohn. And Dennis is the founder and CEO of the Professional Caddies Association. He has also served as the president of the Junior Golf Association of Central Florida. He was inducted into the Caddy Hall of Fame in 2011. He's written a couple of great books titled Think Like a Caddy, Play Like a Pro and Mastering Golf's Toughest Shots. You can find information about both of those books by going online to thecaddyassociation.com. And I'm thrilled to have Dennis back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Good evening, Dennis. Thanks for coming back on the show, my friend. How are you? Very good. Thank you very much. And uh, a pretty exciting time in the industry right now. And I just want to thank you for what you do. And I certainly want to thank Jim and Richard for what they do. I've followed Jim for many years and support uh, both these guys. And I feel honored to be on the show with them. And and I certainly like to talk to you down the road about maybe you get involved in uh, advisory board position if you're allowed by your wife to take on more responsibility. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> we'll, we we need a radio man, but we'll talk about that. And uh, I'd like to first start off by giving you a little some points. Uh, you, thank you for mentioning Steve Moan and what we're doing with We Are Golf. It is uh, very exciting. You know, everybody was just in Washington recently. Uh, I wasn't able to attend, but, but I've got some uh, overall health of this sport. I think it's kind of set the tone of what we're going to talk about. The golf is $84 billion a year industry. It impacts about 1.9 million American jobs with 80, 58 million billion, I'm sorry, 
of uh, in annual wage income. And, you know, about, about, you know, approximately 143, this is the most important part to me, 143,000 charity events raising 3.9 billion, 26,000 average per event, you know, so for the, uh, I mean, golf is no question about it is of all sports. I think I heard this the other day on TV that contributes more to charity than all other sports combined. Now, that's huge. Right. That's huge. And so for that reason, I'm totally committed because uh, I grew up at a golf course, Dubfit Golf Course in Orlando, shagging balls, and nobody knows what that is. But basically, it's a, a field of kids out there, people hitting golf balls at 10-year-old kids, which is, would not be allowed today. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it, we, but I survived. I survived. And, and we've survived. The game has survived. And uh, I, I uh, talked to Steve the other day. And uh, he shared some things, and I was, we were talking about how golf is and what the where we are. And, you know, it's, it's pretty much steady growth. I mean, people don't really see it because there's a lot of golf courses have closed for different reasons. But it's steady growth. But what he said was, it was really hit me, was that golf is evolving. Uh, used to be when you played golf, you showed up, you had long pants on, fancy golf shoes, and you had a collared shirt and a nice hat. And you teed it up, and you played 18 holes, and it was your day at the club. But now, we were, people are showing up nine holes, hat on backwards, beer in hand, and a, and a t-shirt on. <laughs> and, and so golf is becoming more fun. And that's what I think we're trying to get back to, to, to realize that it is fun. It doesn't have to be played for 18 holes. I support at 73. Nine holes is, is, is a plenty for me. Uh, and you can get in the clubhouse and spend time with your friends and family and, and spend uh, actually probably more money inside the restaurant and bar than you would for the extra nine holes in greens fees. So, yeah, so I, I think there's a, and you know, we cannot not mention the tiger effect. Uh, I think we look at these statistics in a year from now and hopefully, uh, what tigers accomplished is is fantastic and uh america loves a comeback story and uh as much as i i I love his game and i really wanted to i didn't think he was going to do it but you know what he did it and that's pretty and and he's definitely uh on track again and i think he's going to be around for a while if he can just stay healthy so hats off to tiger and uh and hats off to the game of golf because it all comes down to Care of the game. And what we're talking about there is trying to get kids and out on the golf course for some reason to go to work, get a job, see the game, be a caddy, shag balls. They don't let you do that anymore, but, but I basically get out there and get, hang around the golf course somehow. And now we have a lot of apps out there now where you don't want kids hanging around the golf course so they can just actually call and order somebody to be a caddy at a club that allows that so it's really a lot of streamlining seamless things are happening and we're excited to be a part of it and we're glad that you're are promoting us sir yeah absolutely and, and it's it's always great stuff dennis to hear about the things that you're doing for for the game of golf and to grow the game of golf and i just want to take it a step further from what you were just talking about because you're on the advisory board for we are golf and you're working with steve mona who is we were talking about just prior to the show as a mentor of yours, but the carry the game program and the things that you guys are doing to try to bring more youth into the game of golf, becoming caddies, 
Talk about all the things that caddies can do and how that program that can help them develop into not only, like I say, people that love the game of golf, but can help them later on in life and uh, into their careers. Well, they they can go to the Caddy Hall of Fame website and you can uh, see some of these incredible gentlemen that have uh, come up through caddying, you know, as uh, and become wonderful businessmen, uh, entertainers and different things. I'm I'm blessed to be involved in that and because I founded it, but uh, it's really uh, exciting. And there's a lot of people need to be in there. And I mean, there's a uh, uh, the list keep coming out. And there's people that you didn't ever even thought were around golf before or never heard anything about. They're actors and entertainers and different things and sports people and, and politicians. And, you know, I mean, Bill Clinton was a, a caddy growing up, you know. And so there's a, a, I think it boils down to it's probably the safest place in sports for kids to hang out still. And thank God that the different clubs are starting to realize that and they're opening up everything more to kids and families. I mean, in the ski world, you go to a ski slope and you've got the, a wife, husband, knows how to ski real good, and two kids. They immediately put you in with a, a kids with a kids group, an instructor, the wife's over here, and the husband's over here. They don't really have that in the golf industry, and that's it's hard, it's expensive, but when you show up with a family at a golf course, they don't really have the different levels that they do in some other sports, and I think that's one area that they really need to work for because, uh, I, and I think, thank God for Top Golf. Have you ever been to Top Golf? I have. It's great. Yeah, so, I mean, it is, it is I mean, that's, this, these new concepts is creating family fun without any threats. You don't have to worry about somebody telling you slow, you're hitting you slow, playing too slow or whatever. So I think it's really, everybody in the industry is really working hard to have more fun. And that's really, and you just, these guys on the tour, when they win, and a lot of times they ask him, well, what, what, you know, what'd you do different this time? He said, I just went and had fun. And then that's when, you know, and if you look back, I don't know about some of your best days, some of my best days, I can look back and don't know how I did it. So I think, it, <laughs> you know, I really don't, <laughs> you know, uh, but, you know, a few extra beers probably helped you. I'm not sure. I can't remember. I can't remember. <laughs> but anyway, it's, it's all about fun. But but definitely right. what you were saying about the kids, there's no question about it. The game of golf, and hopefully this the, the second Tiger effect will take and have more impact and get kids out there chasing their dreams and realize that if you want it bad enough, it's there, just go get it. And now I think the industry is opening up to provide more access to children, kids, wives, parents, and to come out and, as a family and that's kind of where things are going, and I'm very excited to be involved in that and certainly very excited about what We Are Golf is going to do for the industry as far as steerheading. Basically, We Are Golf is kind of like uh, the limousine driving the, you know, the bus or whatever, and there's all these other organizations are just part of it that are, we're all working with them. We don't set anything out there other than just the tone of growing the game. All these organizations are doing the work, and we appreciate every one of them. Dennis, you've got two of your board members, Jan Stevenson and Dennis Walters, about to be inducted into the World Golf Hall of Fame next month. Talk about the impact that those two have had on the game and your organization. Uh, Jan, Jan from day one with the foundation. I mean, uh, 
Dennis is an advisory board member of the uh, of the foundation, but Jan was on the board and for many, many, many years, uh, and she's just launched her success with not only designing golf courses and her new newest ventures in the wine business and and now in the rum business, and so she is an entrepreneur. She's a true lady. Of just so much respect for her. We went out to Pebble Beach together, and we inducted Lance Barrow into the Hall of Fame at the PGA's meeting out there at Pebble Beach. And Jim Nasty didn't know we were going to do it, and brought us up stage. And Lance Barrow, the head of golf and and football for CBS, he started as a caddy under Chuck Will, who was worked for Frank many years. And when the caddies didn't have a job, uh, that Frank and Chuck would hire them to go out and get their guys to give hand signals on, you know, what what they hit. And they'd say, he just hit a four iron. They'd go back and he'd radio the caddy, he'd radio upstairs and tell Ken Ventura he just hit a four iron. And people would say, how do you know that, you know? But now it's all electronic. They all know now. So it goes way back. And I'm so excited to, to see the, the game grow and growing and, you know, with its high-tech stuff. It's fine and for information, but you know the old days of being able to give hand signals from a caddy to another caddy and give them a little job. Those are precious moments. Times have changed, but we're in a, the best shape ever right now in golf for kids to get out there and and they get the message out there that caddying and golf are cool because that's what they need to hear. Dennis, I want to talk about a couple other things, switching gears a little bit, and um, I, I was looking around on social media. I saw a picture that you posted on Facebook of you sitting between President Ford and Bob Hope. Talk about what it was like being around those two guys. Well, that was the thank you very much, Donnie Hammond uh, picture. Uh, I was blessed to be go to an event with Donnie when he actually won a couple of the Jerry Ford tournaments out in Vail, Colorado. And I was blessed to be invited to go to this and Donnie said Dennis I know who you are I'll leave your camera at home no cameras I said promise no cameras Donnie so I walk into this incredible event with these people this so gracious people and I I saw a photographer there and I said I went over and gave him $20 I said give me one picture when I leave one picture so <laughs> that's how I got the picture because Donnie always wondered how'd you get that picture you had no camera I said well I gave the guy $20 and he took my picture but the picture is Donnie said that President Ford's looking at me, wondering how I got past his security, and but it's kind of a look he has <laughs> on his face. But that's actually what going to happen. He knew I asked if I could get a picture, and he invited me back. So that's a very and Bob Hope. What a what a, he was a caddy too as a kid. I mean Bob right? Hope. Yeah, Bob Hope's story is all. I mean it's all golf and everything he's done, way beyond golf. I mean, but he got his start as a caddy in golf. Definitely built his character, helped build his character. What a great guy. And Dennis, as you and I have talked about over the years, you know, caddies don't get enough credit. They don't get enough recognition for the hard work that they put in and and how they contribute to a player's success. Who was, you know, and and as the guy that got the Professional Caddies Association started and the Caddies Hall of Fame, who were some of the great caddies that you have an opportunity to be around? And what are some of the things that made them stand out? Oh wow! I, well, we, we don't have enough time with the show, but no question about it. Fluff is one of my founders of, of, of the Caddy Association. Actually, the Hall of Fame, and he was somebody I relied on his opinion. And he's a quiet man, and he's a wonderful, wonderful person. And 
there's so many to mention. I, you know, I just, it's almost like that was almost in the past so much because I don't really out there on the tour anymore. And then that's why we kind of, you know, did our two books, you know, because we wanted to try to let the public know what it's like to be out there on the bag. And I mean, I was so honored to, to have Mr. Palmer do the forward at 80 years old for our book and then Ben Crenshaw, uh, you know, to do the prefix for the book. And it's, and it's think like a caddy, play like a pro. And we'll give one away here in just a minute, uh, for one of your listeners. But it's basically, you can lower your score by seeing golf through the eyes of a caddy. And basically, basically training your inner caddy. It's that, that little voice you hear when it says, lay up, don't go through the miracle hole that we all try to go through. That's your inner caddy. So, uh, we're excited about the book and the, the news that I want to sh- announce for the first time is that we have now the rights to our two books back. And I've got 1400 of the first book in stock and 2800 of the second one with Gary Player, a master and greatest, greatest shots. And we're going to, um, have those put in ebook here in the next six months. So we'll be offering at a very discounted rate to the general public. Because everybody is, is likes the ebooks and as they travel and they can sit on an airplane and, and, and read it on their phone. So yeah, so we've got excited about that. I'm working on the third book. Don't tell my wife, but, uh, it's going to be, uh, require about two weeks in Scotland. So if you want to go with us, uh, you're welcome to join us. <laughs> I appreciate that. And, and Dennis, one of the, one of the things that, um, you sort of alluded to it a little bit ago. But caddying today is very different than it was years ago. There was a time, you know, when caddies, you know, would would show up at a, at, a, at the parking lot of a clubhouse, of a golf course, of oh, a yeah. tournament, and uh, you know, help help a player out with a bag and hope that uh, perhaps he could get on that player's bag for the week. And it doesn't exactly happen that way anymore. Talk about the ways caddies go about getting on the bag today versus you know thirty, forty years ago. I was in a parking lot up in uh, one of the tournaments. I can't remember which one it is now. It's up in uh, Kentucky or somewhere. But a ski instructor, and all the caddies were very gentlemen. They stood around the same area, and they didn't push themselves on the player. And the player would get out, and the player would get his own bags out and carry it up past the caddies and, and say, hey, you need a caddy today or just something like that. But a ski instructor went up and approached this player and all of a sudden started carrying this guy's bag. Well, nowadays, after 911, you can't even get in the parking lot, not unless you have credentials. So that all, that's totally changed everything right there. But, uh, yeah, so I, I think that, uh, it's definitely changed. Uh, a lot of the caddies now are pretty much, uh, hired, uh, by word of mouth. Uh, you know, when the player's looking for a cad, they try to match the personalities of the different players and people know. Uh, the personalities of some of the players and they kind of know what caddies may get along with them. So there's a lot of, uh, so this is really, it's a family. It's a family of a bunch of great guys. And then it's a, not an easy job. Uh, some of the players, VJ and some of these other guys will, will have you out there on the range till dark after you caddied all day long. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's, it's not, it's, you know, you say, Oh, you only work half a year, but you're working all the time, even though, you may get stuck in California for two weeks, you know, before you can play the next tournament. So you're, you know, and you think it's all fun and roses and stuff in a motel sitting there, but it's not. And these guys work hard and they play hard. And that's kind of nothing wrong with that. And uh, I have a lot of respect for all the caddies and anybody that wants to get in this profession. 
Dennis, for our listeners who want to find out more information about the greatest caddies of all time, the great things that you're doing, the caddy programs that you're putting together, how can they go online and get more information about all of that? PCAWorldwide.com is the main site, and that takes you to a couple other sites, PCAWorldwide.com. Uh, we're in the process, you know, I'm 73 now, and I'm looking for some partners and new owners to take PCA to the next level. Uh, um, I don't know if I told you, but my son passed away a couple of months ago in 47 with some heart failure. So I'm really changing my direction of where I'm going with some things. But, uh, but I do want to be looking for maybe taking the headquarters of PCA to a country club in America and, and let them be our partner. So I'm reaching out to them. And, and also I want to offer a free book to your listeners. If somebody can tell you, Chris, on how many majors Bruce Edwards won on Tom Watson's bag for almost 30 years. Tom won eight majors. How many majors was Bruce Edwards on his bag? And and I'll just give you a little hint. He was never on the bag at his Open Championship win, so that would that'd take a half of them off right there. But anyway, right. just want to throw that out to your listeners if if they want to, uh, you know, get back with you and let me know, and I'll send a couple books out. But uh, I'm going to leave you with this. If you've never played golf with a caddy, you've never played the game. And I, I know you appreciate it, and I really look forward to playing golf. I don't actually play much anymore, but I'm doing a lot of, the, like you say, with the program for kids with cancer and veterans been fishing. But it's uh, two hips and a knee slowed me down a little bit, Chris. <laughs> a lot. Well, Dennis, no, thank go ahead you very and finish much. your thought before you go. Ah, no, you're the best. That is, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come back on the show and share all the great things that you're doing there with uh, with the PCA and We Are Golf and uh, th- this new caddy program. So you're fantastic. I, th- I can't thank well, you enough. Tell for, Jim and Richard you know, hello, and thank you guys. Hello to everybody, and uh, we're definitely here for you 24-7 because you're the, probably the, the, of all, done a lot of radio shows, but Chris, you're number one with us, buddy. I appreciate you, Dennis. You're the best, my friend. Take care. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. God bless. See you, Dennis. That is the great Dennis Cohn. PCAWorldwide.com is is the site, and it's got links to a lot of different places in the Western Golf Association as well, and the great things that uh, Dennis is doing through that organization, through We Are Golf as well. So uh, really enjoy having Dennis as part of the show, and you know the thought that he is there working with Steve Mona, who's also a great friend of the show, trying to develop these caddy programs, get kids involved, making it not only a game for a lifetime, but also helping them develop uh, professional relationships with the people that uh, they're caddying for. And they're also working for at the various golf courses around the country. It's just a win-win all the way around. Can't thank Dennis enough, and we look forward to having him back on the show again real soon. All right, before I get to my next guest, Richard Zoko, I want to remind you about a couple of our sponsors. First, well, folks, TaylorMade Golf has done it again. The all-new TaylorMade M5 and M6 drivers are out there, and what a great story. They both feature speed-injected twist face. So created through a revolutionary manufacturing process, every single head, and I do mean every single head, is injected and calibrated to the threshold of the legal limit. So basically, every head now is made tour spicy. So speed for all, now available. Check it out online at TaylorMadeGolf.com. And folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our good friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore. 
This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. And now back with me here on the French Lake Resort guest line is former PGA Tour pro Richard Zirkel. And let me remind you a little bit about Richard's background. He's from Kitimat, British Columbia, which is on the coast in the central part of the province. Played his college golf at Brigham Young from 1977 to 1981, where he helped them to first or second place finishes in the Western Athletic Conference all four years he was there. He finished second in the national championship in 1980. Richard won the international champions tournament over in Morocco that year, and then he came back and helped captain BYU to the 1981 national championship. And in 2009, that 81 golf team was inducted into the Brigham Young Athletics Hall of Fame. Richard won the 1981 Canadian Amateur Championship by one stroke over Blaine McAllister in a sudden death playoff. He then turned pro. Among his other wins were the 1982 British Columbia Open and the 1984 Utah State Open. On the PGA Tour, he won twice in 1992 at the uh, the Deposit Guarantee Classic in the Greater Milwaukee Open. 2001, he won on the Web.com Tour at the Canadian PGA Championship. That year, he was inducted into the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame. He is now the founder and CEO of MindTrack Golf, which you can find online at MindTrackGolf.com. And I'm very excited he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Good evening, Richard. Thanks for coming back on the show. Well, it's a pleasure being with you, Chris. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you, Richard. So before we get into all the stuff going out on going on out on the PGA Tour, I, I know you're out in Kansas City right now visiting with the players on the web.com tour about mind track golf, which can help all of us, not just tour players, you know, detach emotionally from our results and focus more on performance. So talk about what mind track does. Well, yeah, thank you very much for that. I appreciate that. Mind track golf is a company that I founded and what it is, it's a software platform where you use and the whole, the whole use on the golf course. And um, right now we are in our beta beta testing stages. So it's not in commercial launch. You can't buy it. You can't use it yet. Uh, we're just testing it out. But uh, where we're heading is we want to make sure that, and, and particularly when, like I'm out on the web.com tour this week in, in Kansas City, and I'm introducing it to some players. And uh, Mike Weir started using it last or two weeks ago in the San Antonio event. I got uh, Rob Oppenheim signed up to try it out. And, and what really matters, Chris, is, you know, these young players in the web.com tour, and quite frankly for the PGA Tour as well, you know, the development, you know, the big determining factor whether you're going to make it or not um, as a professional golfer, if you've gotten to the web.com tour, is not your physical talent. All these kids are great players. The real determining factor is what's going what's going on in their mind. And if they have their head on straight and they don't get ahead of themselves, if they learn to play in the present moment, they're going to increase their chances of being successful. And mind track golf is all about that. It's that missing piece of psychology that all golfers who take this game seriously have a tendency to just amp themselves up, to get ahead of themselves. They get out of the present moment and, uh, and they, dis- they make the game, they make a lot of mistakes. They make the game more difficult. And, um, and our protocol 
conditions the player to get in the present moment, and that way they can play their very best golf, no matter what level of player they are. So to that end, Richard, you know, and, and I don't want you to give away any secrets and that sort of thing, but how does it help us stay in the moment? Because even for players, you know, of my level and, and our, you know, the, the recreational player, right, if we start to yep. play either really well or really badly, particularly really well, right, hey, I've made five pars in a row. I could shoot even par on this you know, yeah. nine if I just keep – how does it help us stay in the moment so we don't screw ourselves up by looking ahead? It does it because of how we condition ourselves, and all golfers are the same, you know. So, and we're so we become over time emotionally attached to the result. So when we become addicted to that result, we want that result. We want it. The harder we push to have that result, like you know how it is, and every golfer can can reflect to this. Say it's a very important four foot putt that you need to make to win the bet or to shoot whatever, and you want the result. You get ahead of yourself, uh, and, and you push for that result, and while you're executing that putt, you make a horrible putt, and you miss by a wide margin. You get furious. You pull that ball back, and w- because it doesn't matter anymore, and it, uh, you, you, you hit the most pure second shot of, of, uh, that you can, and you're you're, you're confused with this. And what really happens is what's going on in the player's mind is that they want to jump ahead. They want that result and they have no, they have no idea that they're hurting themselves. So what we do in, in kind of giving away our secrets is you need to detach emotionally from the, the re- results. Your attentional focus must change from the result and needs to go on to what we call the golfers, uh, the two key performance markers of every shot. So every single golf shot has, is determined. Your performance markers are your ability to assess the shot. In a putting case, that's, that's reading the putt. If it's a five iron, it's picking the right club. And, and based on the information you have, depending on how the lie is, if the lie is in the rough, you shouldn't be expected to hit a driver out there. So you have to make a proper assessment. And then once you make the assessment, you have to execute. And, and that's different for every person. My ability to assess and execute is different than yours and different to the next person. But if you do it to your uh, highest ability, whatever level you're at, and you put your attention on those things, and then you let the score be a byproduct of how well you assess and execute. Now, what happens when you need a specific protocol to do this? Because if you don't, you'll just slip back into the old, um, uh, you know, future projecting. And, and when you start, you know, when, as you talked about, Chris, when you're playing well, you have a tendency to jump forward and go, well, if I can just kind of get in the, the last few holes with pars here, I'm going to break my record. Now, all that is that everyone knows that's the worst thing you can do. And at that point, you are getting out of the present moment. Um, that got you playing well in the first place. You project forward and you you um, collapse your thoughts, and we call that thought shearing, just like wind shear in the plane. You change the dynamics that caused the performance in the first place, and it crashes, and it happens with our thoughts. So in mind track golf, you have a very specific protocol that you follow with each and every shot, and um, and when you do that, without even knowing it, you're starting to condition yourself 
in the present moment. And when you're in the present moment, anxiety doesn't exist. And if you just keep doing this, then you're going to train yourself so that when you get in those intense situations, if you're a serious golfer, uh, that you have uh, a conditioned response to, uh, to, to uh, act and, uh, and increase your chances of success. So, Richard, let me take that just a half a step further. Let me give you a scenario because you just sure. mentioned a moment ago. So a couple weeks ago, I'm out with my buddies. We're on our annual golf trip. I'm playing really well. One of my buddies yep. says to me, who's keeping score, hey, you're one under par through the last six holes. And, you know, so, <laughs> you know, oh, and that, cause I'm not where, you know, I'm, yeah, I had a four, yeah, I had a five, whatever. I'm not keeping track. Hey, you're one under par. And then I, yep. then I double bogey the eighth hole. Yep. And, and so immediately I'm now off my game. Can this protocol yep. help me combat when your buddy tries to tell you, you know, get you off your game like that? Yes, exactly. And let me tell you my story, which was the aha moment when I decided to to uh, do something with this. This goes back. I created the system back in 1999 when I was uh, getting back uh, to onto the PGA Tour, and I started doing it. And obviously, we didn't have an app at that time, and I would just write down these key performance marker performance in on longhand after the round. So I started getting really good at this, and then we got to the, this, the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, and and I think I may have told this story before, but that's ex- that what you described, Chris, is exactly what happened to me on Sunday at the U.S. Open. And let me tell you how, because of my conditioning, it changed the outcome rather than hurting me. So on Sunday, U.S. Open 2000, Tiger Woods is winning by 15 shots. On that Sunday, I shoot 30 on the front nine. I shoot. 30 on the front nine and uh, wow. uh and and my my caddy says to me we're walking down the 10th hole he says do you know what you shot and i went no i don't because i was just all i'm focusing on my kpms my key performance markers these two assessing and executing and i want to do them well and it's got my full attention and i totally detached from the score so i make this for par on nine and i shoot 30 but the thing is so and everyone says and I know it's running through your mind or the listener's mind right now. Oh, he shouldn't have said that. But I was at a point where I conditioned myself when he, he said, you shot 30. I went, I don't care. So I truly detached, even though he told me. So I didn't make a fuss about it. I was more interested in seeing Scotty Bowman, you know, the, the great coach for the Detroit uh, Red Wings, who was pumping his fist. And he said, go get him, Richard. And I was like, hey, look, there's Scotty Bowman. My attention was more impressed about Scotty Bowman than the 30 I shot. And that 30 was a U.S. Open record at, at Pebble Beach. And I can assure you the other 30s that were shot at U.S. Opens at Pebble Beach wasn't on Sunday, uh, uh, that's for sure. So you, what it does, Chris, is when this protocol, and it takes a while, like I said, it doesn't. it's not a flip of a switch and all of a sudden you get it. We golfers, and I include myself in there, have been down the rabbit hole and we've been conditioned for a while. So when your buddy told you, I mean, it may have been his ploy on purpose to disrupt you. And, and what more powerful way that if, once he told you, you your score where you were, it didn't matter to you and you were able to keep that performance. That's what MindTrack does. You, so it, it, you're able to control the situation. You, your protocol brings you into the present moment. 
And so when you have a visit to the future, if you jump out to the future and say, well, I'm doing this thing, you don't freak out and you, and, 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 and you don't change. Now, this type of thinking, and what I say to these young guys on the web.com tour, I say this to any young guy who wants to be a good golfer or uh, play professionally. Because all these guys have the ability, and if you know they they have it, and 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 the seriously the determining factor on what's whether they're going to make it or not is what runs through their minds, and and if they want to be a champion, they better get their mind together, or else uh, you know they're in for a rude awakening. Well, I certainly can't wait to get uh, get on the program because I could certainly use that, and it would have made it probably would have made a huge difference in the rest of that round for me. So let me stay, let me tell you, that you, you know, if, okay, let me tell you where I'm at with the company. So we're beta testing it right now. So the only you can't download it; it's not for commercial launch. And I'm going to go through this period for another month or two, and I'm just testing it now with some professional golfers. And I'm going to be doing the same thing at the Canadian Open. I'm going to go to the Canadian Open, and I'm going to introduce it to the players out there. And then we're going to take this evidence. See, I have to get the evidence what the market says it does. Like, is the user experience um, um, simple? It has to be simple or else no one's going to use it. Is it worth it? Do you, does it, does it improve your game? Does it calm you down? All these questions. So when I get, collect all this information, then I've got to put it in, back into our company's and, and, and uh, uh, information. So when we go out to raise more money, because we got, I got to get this product into an Android uh, product because it's only available in an Apple product at this point. And before we commercially launch, and it's not it's not inexpensive to write this software and put them in these apps. So I've uh, raised the capital to do it, and uh, the company is very well sound, and we're we're doing very well with it. But uh, at, at, we've got to we'll be continuing this this growth and introduction to. Um, all the other, you know, industry leaders and stakeholders. I want them to be aware of this because I, I think this is a, it's a, it's an area of game performance, Chris, that really is untapped and uh, and it and it doesn't it not only works for the professional golfer, but uh, it works for the amateur golfer as well. And it, it really doesn't matter what level you play at. What really matters and is key is if you take this game seriously and you want to perform and have some. Some some anxiety issues. That's when this uh, this product will uh, serve you well. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to it. So, like I say, I'm going to stick it close to your hip and figure out when this is available. (laughs) Richard, I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to go back to the Masters and get your thoughts on the tournament. It sort of it sort of fell into Tiger's lap when all of the leaders hit their tee shots into Rays Creek. On number twelve, and I and I saw your tweet about advice that Byron Nelson gave you about yeah. how to play the twelfth hole. Do you mind sharing that story? Sure, sure, absolutely. I you know I, I played in the Masters in in nineteen ninety three after my win in, in Milwaukee got me in the tournament, and I got to know Byron. I was very fortunate to play an outing in Banff, and and every year the Oilman's tournament they bring in Byron Nelson and they pick some other dude from the PGA Tour and. I got to know Byron. He was, you know, he was just a very warm person and he really enjoyed when younger people would come and ask for his advice. I picked up on that. And so, um, we stayed in touch and so forth and exchanged pleasantries. And then at the Masters, 
I'm, you know, I'm coming down the, in the second round and I'm right on the cut line. And obviously this is the first time I've played in the Masters. And as a veteran and journeyman player out there, I, I want to make the cut. I want to play the weekend. And, and I'm on the 12th hole and I'm right on the cut line. And I hit two balls in the water, just as we saw back, you know, the pin was on the right side. And, uh, you know, and, and, and so, and, I, and it just totally confused me because you're, you're trying to pick up on the wind direction. You see that you look to the left and see the pin on the 11th blowing one way. And you see the, the pin on 12 blowing another way. And, and, uh, and I hit two balls, make a seven, miss my chance to make the cut. So I'm in the clubhouse after and, and Byron's there. And I sit down and I said, Mr. Nelson, I said, you know, can I, 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 you know, hit two balls in the water on 12. What's the deal with that hole? Why is it so difficult? And he says, he says, well, Richard, he says, you know, he says, what I, what I do is I, I watch that you know, off the trees off to the right of the tee. You have to watch the Spanish, Spanish moss because it's very light in the trees down in the south and you pick up the wind. Forget about what the wind's doing on the green on 12 because it's, it's causing it to swirl around that pocket and it be doing something else. And don't look at the flag on 11. Just look at the Spanish moss hanging from the pine trees and go with that. And then whatever you decide to do, you have to hit a right to left shot over that bunker. He says, because if you hit a left to right shot or in a fade for a right-handed golfer, the, 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 uh, or yeah, got to hit a draw. So if you're, you know, hitting your right-handed golfer, you're hitting that draw, the draw will penetrate that wind a lot better than a fade would. And the fade has a tendency to go higher and not has, have the drive through the air. So the wind can't affect it. So that's what we saw. We saw the balls that went in the water on the weekend with Tiger were the shots that were to the right of the bunker, meaning that they were on line with, with the pin. And Tiger's ball went over the bunker. And, uh, and, and so, that was kind of uh, his experience. Tiger knew that. Tiger was wasn't going for that pin. Had the leader was two shots back. He was he was going to play his shot, and his discipline was to hit it over that bunker. And and you know one of the great things about that uh, that back nine is Tiger won in a different way. He won tactically. He he was strategic. He, he you know he's not overpowering. The golf course or the field like he used to. Tiger now can only win with his A game. He can't win with his B game. And he has to play smarter. And 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 that's the beautiful thing about it is, is how he had to play. And he won through attrition. And that was a very key moment. Obviously, when those, when it, when you know there were four shots in the, in the water, and his wasn't one of them, and he was able to you know birdie the fifteenth hole, get the lead for the first time, and then close the deal as he did. It was just wonderful to watch. Richard, one more before we let you go, and and we've got the PGA Championship coming up here in a couple of weeks, and your best finish in a major was a tie for fourteenth at the ninety three PGA at Inverness Club there in, in Toledo, Ohio. And you were near the leader, near the top of the leaderboard after the first round. You fire an opening round 66. What do you remember about being a part of that PGA championship? Well, uh, at Inverness, what a beautiful golf club. I, I love, you know, Inverness and Toledo was great and I was playing well. And I remember that well because first of all, I, I needed to finish one more place lower, one shot lower would get me back to the Masters to qualify. 
and I wanted to continue to play in, you know, in multiple, multiple masters. But, uh, what that, what really stands out in my mind, that particular, um, uh, major is I got paired with Hale Irwin on Saturday and Sunday and he was playing well and I was playing well and Hale Irwin is a tough dude and, um, he, he doesn't really give you much and when, and, and he respects people who play well and I remember I caught his attention and because of my play and that was one of my proudest moments that I was able to get, uh, you know, a, a player like Hale Irwin to kind of tip his hat to you as, as a player. Uh, and you know, he could, Hale was one of the toughest dudes there was. He was a tough competitor and, and he, 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 he was focused and uh, driven. And, uh, and I remember that. And, uh, and from that point on, uh, you know, like walking through the locker rooms and that, hey, all the way to go, hey, Richard, how are you? And it was, it was, it was a breakthrough moment for me as a journeyman player, Chris. And, and, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't play, I loved U.S. Opens. Uh, uh, I, I played really well in the U.S. Open at Pebble in 92. Shots, uh, you know, I didn't have a round over par. And then I remember playing in, in, in the final group with Paul Azinger and, that's when the wind blew up and I, it came up and it, you know, the average score was just off the charts. I shot 80 that day. Azinger shot 80 that day. That was, and that was a pretty good score because the wind was blowing 40 out there. And, um, and, and then the other U.S. Open I played at Pebble in 2000, I barely made the cut and had a poor third round, but then I had that, that 30. So I wasn't able to really put it all together. And I wish I got myself to contention in, in majors more than I did, but, um, it wasn't the case, and uh, but I do have some fond memories. And Toledo in 1993, when Paul Azinger won, was one of those I, I really enjoyed uh, playing well in the major championship. Richard, before I let you go, remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing. Follow you on social media, and how I can stay attached to your hip with re- with respect to mine the Mind Track app. Well, uh, Mind Track, uh, Mind Track Golf, and that's M I N D T R A K Golf. Mind Track is with no C. Mind Track Golf. Look at our website. Uh, uh, there's some interesting stuff in there, and and just stay. I ask your, your listeners to uh, keep an eye out for it. We're not there yet uh, to commercial launch, and uh, anyone can reach me and follow me on Twitter uh, at Richard Zokel. So. Uh, but do love to stay in touch in touch with you, Chris. I love these discussions we get into and and the stories. I think they're important and uh, it takes me back a long way. So I do appreciate it very much. I appreciate you very much, Richard. Thanks for your time tonight. Thanks for coming back on the show. I look forward to catching up with you again soon and hopefully uh, around the time you're ready to release Mind Track, we can get you back here and talk all about it. Thanks so much, Chris. Really appreciate it. Take care, Richard. That's the great Richard Zokol, Z-O-K-O-L, at Richard Zokol on Twitter. He's a great follow, by the way, and a lot of great stories and uh, some of the things in the, like that Byron Nelson story out there on social media. So be sure to follow him, and uh, I'll get him back on here as soon as I can. I'll be watching out for that MindTrack app because, uh, like I say, it's something I could use, and I'm sure many of us can use about making sure we're staying in the moment and not getting ahead of ourselves. So thanks to Richard for his time and being a part of the show again tonight. All right, before I get to my next guest, Jim Estes, I want to give a shout-out, like I say, to one of our new sponsors, the Sandestin Resort. 
Surrounded by white sand beaches and the beauty of the Gulf of Mexico, Sandestin Golf and Beach Resort offers three championship golf courses open to the public and one semi-private course as well. With top recognition from leading golf magazines and reviewers from around the world, each course provides an exciting challenge in different scenic settings. Golfers can choose to play one or all of the courses, which is the Raven Golf Club, the Robert Trent Jones Jr. layout that played host to the PGA Tour champions back in 2006 and 2007. The Lynx Golf Club, designed by Tom Jackson, offers a winding layout against a backdrop of the Baytown Marina and the Chakawachi Bay. Baytown Golf Club, also designed by Tom Jackson, offers a, a fifth set of U.S. Tees, or U.S. Kids tees for your junior golfers as well. And then there's the Burnt Pine Golf Club, which is a semi-private Reese Jones design available to uh, registered Sandestin guests. So visit SandestinGolf.com forward slash tea time or call 844-887-SAND for more information and to book your tea times. All right, now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is uh, PGA professional Jim Estes. Let me remind you a little bit about Jim's background. He is from Washington, D.C., started off playing his college golf at the University of Tennessee before transferring back to the University of Maryland. He won the 1985 Maryland Amateur Championship, and he turned pro in 1988. He played on what was then the Nationwide Tour, now the Web.com Tour, and he won the 1989 Greater Ozarks Open. In 1995, Jim was named the PGA of American National Player of the Year. In 96, he won the Nike Inlet Empire Open. Off the course in 2007, he was recognized as Golf Magazine's Innovator Award winner. In May of 2007, Jim co-founded the Salute Military Golf Association, which you've heard me talking about here on the show for many years. Jim and his team do such great things for our wounded service veterans, either to learn or relearn how to play the game of golf. And I'm very excited that Jim is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Good evening, Jim. Thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Chris. I hope everything's well with you. Richard Zoko. I appreciate you. I remember you. him well. The first guy that ever wore headphones, I think, on the uh, PGA Tour. Richard That's Zirkel. right. That's right. Yeah, I got to hear him a few times. A great guy. Yeah. So Jim, it's it's so, been a minute since uh, we got to have you here. So yeah, update me. What's talk about all the great things you're doing at the Salute Military Golf Association? Yeah. So, um, well, we've got a new executive director, Scott Allen, who just came aboard. We're real excited. We got him from the first tee. He's got a tremendous amount of experience. He, he was the assistant athletic director at GW, George Washington University. He's got a great resume, and he's really excited. He's just energized our our board and and our players and the guys in, in the SMGA are gonna are gonna really reap the benefits from his expertise not only in raising money but uh, just got a great attitude he's just so optimistic and so excited to uh, to tackle uh, you know the the idea that we can have this American golfer program where we provide golf clubs and we have lessons for combat wounded vets go across the country and we can raise money. Uh, you know, he's really good at that, and I'm really excited to uh, to work with him. And we, like I said, we just got him on board in January. And um, yeah, I mean, we are we've got nine locations right now, and, and we're gonna, you know, obviously we're we're looking to expand that. And the American Golfer Program, um, 
we really service guys that really aren't near one of our locations. So if you go online, any of you combat wounded guys, if you go online and fill out our, our form, if you have a DD-214, your service record, um, <clears throat> you'll get on a list and you'll be able to get golf lessons from a PGA professional locally where you live. And then, you know, once the paperwork's done and approved, you'll get, you know, a set of tailor-made clubs, which we love. Tailor-made, I've been with tailor-made for a long time, 20 years, I think now. I'm so old, I don't even keep the mask in my hair anymore. Yeah, so the American Golfer Program, like, we've got a huge chapter in Boston. I mean, you know, Boston Strong, we've got so many combat-wounded guys that just love getting out there and playing golf. And Bob Beach, another Patriot Award winner, has been helping us up there. And we got a bunch of PGA pros that have been tremendous supporters. Uh, we got a guy named Brad Clayton, who's an unbelievable master professional, who's got one arm, and uh, <clears throat> he's just been helping us down in, uh, you know, like Camp Lejeune and Fort Bragg. And then we got guys out in Colorado that are Paul's out there in Colorado doing a great job for us. Um, and so, you know, we got a we got a spot there, Chambers Bay. Uh, <clears throat> we got a you know a great a great program out there where they had the U.S. Open, and uh, yeah, so we're we're moving along. I mean. I'm just excited to have Scott, you know, another PGA professional aboard because we speak the same language. And, you know, a lot of times when you have 13 board members, you know, not everybody understands the golf business. I mean, they're experts. And, you know, we've got guys that have worked in the Pentagon and guys that are, you know, really, you know, colonels and guys that work in logistics and work in helping our military strategy. I mean, <clears throat> they're they're great for us because they understand, you know, how the military works and, and, and how to uh, – to uh, you know, broadcast our message to to the the powers that be in the, in the armed services um, group. So anyway, um, back to back to what we're doing with SMGA. I think our our golf tournament, you know, uh, June third, our annual tournament is going to raise over a hundred thousand dollars again this year. Um, and uh, you know, we just need more we need more support um, from from the from some of the PGA professionals. Uh, that maybe couldn't do a golf program, maybe not host an eight-week event, but maybe want to do a fundraiser, kind of like Folds of Otter, what a great uh, cause that is, and what and they're just doing unbelievable in terms of uh, getting support for the vets and getting them education, the guys that are the fallen and wounded, getting them, you know, education, money for education for the kids. And, and uh, so, you know, I, we'd love to, you know, get more support in that regard. But, but you know, like the – our program, I think what's unique about it is we're small enough that we get to meet everybody. I mean, I don't go to all the chapters. Scott gets out there and I still, you know, I still have to run a business and I've got my own golf academy. But, um, you know, I just love getting out there on Saturday mornings and working with the vets. And like, this is our fourth week coming up and we've got about 40 guys and their families and their kids come out and we, we go for two hours and we might work on putting or we might work on, we have a little contest, a little game and, you know, we'll get out on the golf course. To, the uh, seventh and eighth week and those guys will get now many of them 80 percent of our people are first timers so they've never picked up a club and um they're just great i mean they love to get out there and learn something new and they're you know military folks have all the character integrity and honor and they respect you and they listen to you and they do it you know they do what they you know they're just great uh, so it's just an honor and a pleasure to work with all those guys and losing my voice sorry <clears throat> Got a little, a little under the weather here, but uh, yeah. So I'm looking forward to our clinic on Saturday. I mean, I wouldn't really call it a clinic. It's kind of like a, a coaching program. We 
we've got nine or ten professionals and we got about 37 guys so we have a good ratio um everybody gets plenty of help and uh we start from green and we move our way back and we started with parting and chipping and now we're with wedges and we'll do some full swing this week and some bunker shots so get those guys ready for the golf course and then we'll have our annual golf and then we'll have some guys that uh get to play with some of the sponsors so we'll have some some bats play with the sponsors and some of them uh, guys just get a huge kick out of playing with guys I mean, with one arm or one leg they can shoot you know maybe 85 to 90 they just love that so jim for for our listeners out there that are either in that situation they're a wounded veteran or maybe they're a family member of a wounded veteran that could use right. the rehabilitative aspect of what you guys are doing the biggest thing talk about like that you said, chris yeah, the biggest thing is, you know, for me, like playing college golf, I actually had so much stress playing, and I'll never know what it was like to get shot at, but I had stress enough where I had to step away from school for, I had anxiety, I had depression, I was like, couldn't focus on my schoolwork, I was, you know, gone eight weeks, and I was like, freaking out, I couldn't, I couldn't focus, and I just had to step away for, for a semester, and, you know, I went and got diagnosed with anxiety, and I was on anxiety medicine. And, you know, it's not I'm not ashamed of that. You know, I mean, I was under a lot of stress. I was playing lousy. And the military has really gone, come a long ways in, in helping these guys talk about this stuff. And what's great about our program is I don't sit up there and preach to them, but I do say, look, guys, you know, our board members, of all, most of them have, have served and been in combat, and we've got Purple Heart guys on our board. Those are guys that have been wounded in, in combat, and we're, we're just here. And if you feel comfortable and you want to talk to these guys, I mean, they want to talk to you. We love you guys. We want to we want to build a relationship with you. Um, we want to be a part of your life, and we want to say thank you. You know, the food that we give them every week and the clubs, that's just, that's just a conduit to building a real relationship with those guys and saying, hey, we're here for you. Whatever we can do to help you in your life, you guys have done more than anybody has ever considered doing, putting your life on the line for someone else. And, you know, for us, that's what makes our program unique because everybody on our board is acutely sensitive to what's going on with those guys because they're all, they've all been in the military, except for the golf guys like me and Scott and Jamie Winslow, my co-founder. He, he played college golf, but everybody else has served and, been in combat and been, you know, got shot at. <clears throat> so, yeah, I think that's what makes our, our program unique because we have a one-on-one relationship and we get to sit down and have lunch with those guys and talk to them and hang out with them and, you know, we just want to be their friends and, you know, it doesn't stop with the Great call. Enough. It's a game, you know, like, well, our, our, our slogan is, you know, we want to make um, golf for life. We want to, we want to radically transform people and make them golfers for life, you know. We want to change their lives and, and for the better using golf. Well, Jim, it's all great stuff, and, uh, you know, kudos to you and your staff for the great things that you guys continue to do with the SMGA. And, Thanks, Jim, I want to change gears. Yeah, I want to change gears just a little bit and get some of the stories from, from your career and some of the things that, that you've <laughs> done. And you you are low club professional at the uh, Senior PGA Championship a couple of years ago, and, and this year's tournament is coming up uh, in a couple of weeks up in Oak Hill in Rochester. So 
you know, curious to get your memories from what it was like being low club professional and, and the winner sort of in that segment of the tournament back in 2017. And if you're going to yeah. make the trip up to Rochester to play this year. Oh, I'm so excited to play Oak Hill. I'm playing in four opens. I never got to play Oak Hill. I know in 89 I missed by a shot to go to Oak Hill and play. So I'm really excited to play there. But, you know, like at Trump, it was crazy because I played very mediocre the first day, and I think I was, like, outside the cut line. I don't remember exactly. Maybe, like, 100. I think there's, you know, whatever, 156 players. And I'm thinking, man, i got to play good, play really well the second day. And uh, the wind started blowing 40. 50 miles an hour, and I'm, like, playing pretty well. I started off really bad. I'm, I'm playing with Jesper and, I think, Jay Haas, and um, it's just blowing crazy, and the wind starts blowing the balls off the green, right? And I'm at the tail end. We played real early, and I got in before the wind started really blowing really, really bad. And I just remember coming down a stretch on Friday, the 16th hole is right along the river, and the hole's like prison. It's like 440, right? And I'm hitting a drive, and I've got a full three-wood from 205 yards. And I hit my three-wood about 250, and I'm thinking, wow, I don't think I've played in this kind of weather in a long time. I know I went to qualify to the British Open one year. We played, and it was, it was like, I don't know, 40, 50-mile-an-hour winds. I, I, I remember playing this tour five. I hit driver three with eight yard in, and it was 500 yards. And um, I'm thinking, man, I'm going to have to hit this good to get it there. And I made par, actually hit it on the green, and I was so happy to get get it down and make a par in that hole. I haven't hit three with it. And I think I shot one over, and I moved up the board, like, 60 spots. I was just elated. I think I said I had wow. from, like, 100 to, like, I don't know, 38 or something crazy. And then I, I managed not to uh, – throw up on myself on the weekend and I played pretty well and finished, you know, that little club pro, but, uh, you know, I was just laughing because I got off the green, I shake burn on Langer's hand and I go, you know, you only beat me by 16 shots. Can't you do any better than that? I mean, I'm, I don't even play golf, you know, and, you know, he just laughs. And he's funny. <laughs> um, he couldn't be a nicer guy, you know, and I get to play back trail with him and, you know, he's like, you know, I think I'm going to hit this 138. You know, he hits a shot, and it's a little late iron. It feels like 139, and I'm like, man, that's just crazy. How do you do that? You know, I'm, <laughs> he just has so much control of how far he's going to hit the ball. He can call his shot in the air. It's like, okay, I'm going to hit this 139. Oh, great, that went 138. That went 140, whatever. <laughs> he's just, and uh, yeah. it was just fun, you know, being around those guys because uh, you just don't. You know, in the practice rounds, you don't really get to see how good they are because they're, they're not nervous and they're not, like, focused and everything. But but you can see how meticulous. Like, he doesn't even, like, when he does the yardage books, he doesn't even use the yardage book. His caddy goes in a week before and does his own yardages with, a, with like, a wheel and a string. Like I'm like, are you serious? You're doing a wheel wow. and a string? You're going to measure the freaking course with that? And I'm like, <laughs> that's just sick. And then... You know, it's like he'll go on the green and he has this little level and I'll check every single percentage slope from every green, from every pin in the last, you know, whatever, you know. So it's like, he's like, yeah, I do a 10-foot circle around every pin that we have from the last five years and I look at all the majors and where they put the pins and, the, you know, it'll kill and this and that. And we know the percentage slope and all of it. 
you know, how much it's going to break right to left. And he's like, I only do 10 feet in because those are the putts I really, you know, want to make. The rest of it, we know the slope, but we don't like really care as much about that as, as we do the putts that are makeable. And he shows me a lot of stuff, but his preparation is crazy. I mean, and, and what's really crazy about the guy is, you know, he's made a zillion dollars and he doesn't need another cent and he's just out there grinding like it's his first dollar. It's just crazy. And he loves it. He just loves it. <laughs> That's why it is great. That's what makes him great. Yeah. I just have so much respect for those guys like Tiger and Phil and all those guys that just continuing to grind it and love it. They just love playing, you know, and competing. And, you know, they could quit tomorrow, obviously, you know, but they're not going to. They're just going to keep grinding. They love it. Jim, before I let you go, I, I, I want to get a playing lesson from you for for our listeners. And, one of the things okay. that I saw you put out not that long ago on uh, social media is if, if we have a short chip shot from just off the green, but from a downhill or a severely downhill lie, how can we get the right. ball close and make sure it doesn't end up running way, way across the green or we don't skull it or dump it in a bunker? How can we get that shot yeah. close? Yeah, well, okay, well, so there's a couple scenarios. If you have a severely downhill lie, like you, the thing that I tell people is don't try to use loft because unless you're Phil Mickelson or these tour players that use loft and bounce and understand it, get the ball on the ground and learn how to play the ball along the ground. And, you know, like if you have a tight line on a downslope and you don't have any green to work with, say you only have maybe 15, 20 feet of green to work with and you're, say, 20 yards from the pin and you're on a way severe downslope, what most people do is they take their lob wedge and they try to lean back and lift it and they end up sculling it across the green. I literally would tell somebody, take a, if you're 20 yards from the flag, take a seven or eight iron or even a hybrid and just bump it along the ground like a putt. Now it depends on, you know, like the quality of the fringe, like the fairways are tight and so on. But I would tell people, if you take a, a seven iron, a wedge and a lob wedge, Take three different clubs, try to hit five shots, and figure out the amount of force you need for for uh, each one of those clubs, and you'll develop some touch. But most people, in, you know, when you watch the Ryder Cup and these guys that play in Europe, you know, they have the ability to play it along the ground, and they have the ability to play it in the air. And you look at the U.S. players, a lot of times they don't play the ball along the ground when it's severe wind, you know, or when there's – a tremendous amount of slope in the greens, or you have tremendous downslopes and upslopes. American players are used to playing everything through the air. But I would tell you to practice along the ground. So that's, you know, I, I tell this story. I had this one guy. He shanked every shot, right? And I said, okay, Jerry, what I want you to do is just take your, your seven hybrid. It's a hybrid six wood, and I want you to just hit it like a pot. And when you get 50 yards from the green, you're getting down in three. There's no more shanking it around. We're not circling the wagons. We're not shanking it all the way around the golf course. This is not going to happen anymore. And he got good with that hybrid club. And as long as there's no bunker in front of him, the guy got down in three and he started, he dropped 10 shots because he would typically be right around the green, 50 yards in the green, and he would take four or five shots to get down and he'd make a six or seven. And we got him to where he was just getting it down in three and he was making bogeys and he started to break 100. Then he got down to low 90s and then we started to, to give him more loft. But all I taught him how to do was just hit this little chip putt, stand real close to the ball, choke down on it, hit it like a putt, and it's going to carry about 
say, five yards, and it's going to roll 20 yards. So it's like a four-to-one ratio. If you carry five, it's going to roll 20 yards. He got really good at it. And so back to that downhill line, that's what I would say to you. That's a long-winded one, but that's what I would say. <laughs> that's a good tip. <laughs> Jim, remind our listeners yeah. how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and follow you, whether it's online or it's on social media. Yeah, yeah. So, Salute Military Golf Association, uh, SMGA is www.smga.org. And if you got any, um, if you want some help with your golf game, you know, I, I'm, I try to put stuff on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook every day, but I don't always do it like Chris does. He's really good. He taught me, by the way. You guys, he's the man. He's the man. He is he is a social media king, but uh, um, yeah. So jimassisgolf.com, you know, I do uh, playing lessons and I do, you know, like I, we do groups, small groups, and I do private lessons too. But I'm all about getting people on the golf course and learning the game on course. That's one thing I've learned from P. and Nielsen and Lynn Marriott and so many other great instructors that I've had the good fortune of being around. You know, if you want to play better on you got to put yourself under pressure. And, you know, like in these small groups, I make people play with people they've never played before with. And even in like a two-hour class, I make them – like tonight, I had a guy I said, look, you got two shots to get this ball in the green. You've got, you got a 10-yard a bunker shot, and, he, and everybody's standing around watching. And I'm like, I'll give you a sleeve of balls. And this guy doesn't break 100. And you know what? He did it. And I was – I gave him a sleeve of balls. He loved it. And it doesn't cost me, what, six bucks, but the guy's going to be my friend for life. He just did it in front of, you know, all his buddies, or actually not his buddies, people he doesn't even know. So if you want to get better on the course, you got to practice on the course, and you got to simulate your pressure on the course. That's what I say. So, again, I talk too much, but jimassisgolf.com. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you're the best, Jim. I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your <laughs> night to come back and be a part of the show. The great work you're doing at the Salute Military Golf Association, again, online at smga.org, and, and the things that you do yeah. for uh, developing your yeah. players is absolutely outstanding. Thank you so much for being here. All right, my man. I appreciate your help. And one of these days we're going to get you to come and play. I want you to, I know you're a busy guy, but we'll talk offline about that. I'm like, I'm serious about that. I appreciate you. All right. We'll make it work. Take care, Jim. I'll right. see you and your family, my friend. All right. You too, Chris. Take care. Bye. All right. See you, Jim. That's a great Jim Estes. And again, One Golf Doc is where you can find him on Twitter, at One Golf Doc. And uh, the SMGA.org, you've heard us talking about uh, that organization for many, many years here on the show because the work that Jim and his team do there for our wounded service veterans, whether they're learning the game for the first time or relearning how to play based on some rehabilitative work that they have to do. You've heard them talk about guys who have, you know, guys and gals who have lost arms and, and parts of limbs and that sort of thing. But learning the golf swing then all over again, or like I say, maybe for the first time, the work that they do and uh, for that and about PTSD and helping uh, veterans deal with it better uh, is certainly also a part of what they do there at the Salute Military Golf Association. So check out Jim and what they do. Again, smga.org. All right, folks, time for me to put a bow on this edition of Next on the Team. My sincere thanks go out tonight to Dennis Cohn, Richard Zokel, and, of course, Jim Messis for joining me. Please give me your thoughts. Check out our page on Facebook, Next on the Team, with Chris Mascaro. Share, me, you know, share with me your, your comments right there on the page. I really appreciate it. Plus, if you've got a question, like I always say, if you've got a question for one of the guests who is on tonight or a previous show or a future show, please go on our website, nextonthetee.net. We've got our guest scheduled there for you. So if you've got a question, 
Let me know. I'll be glad to get it on the air for you. Folks, thanks again for choosing to listen to this show today. We really appreciate the fact that you're making Next on the Tee part of your golfing content. Until next week, hit up straight, my friends. You've been listening to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA pros and top instructors and media members go to tell their stories. Join us the same time every Tuesday to hear more stories about the game we love from people who love sharing those stories with you. It's all about the great game of golf. It's all about the